All right, you Rudy Puja Bronies, listen up and listen good. It's me, the People's Champion, here to educate those tiny little pea-brained heads of yours on the rules of the ring. First, the Dub Talk podcast contains language that might be unsuitable for younger audiences. So if you got something against that, then shut up, bitch! Second, the Dub Talk podcast might contain spoilers for any and all anime. So go back home and cry to your mommies and your daddies if you don't like it. And third, the opinions expressed in this episode are those of the individual participants and not those of the Dub Talk podcast as a whole. So if you don't agree, it doesn't matter if you don't agree. So now, it's time for the most electrifying man in sports entertainment to lay the smack down on your candy asses as the Dub Talk podcast gives the people's elbow to Komodo Michi. Rise up. If you smell... What Dub Talk is cooking. Ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another exciting episode of Dub Talk, the podcast where a bunch of jabronis get together, throw some chairs, smash some tables, execute some pile drivers, pet some animals, and if no one's pinned after all that, we talk about the latest and greatest in English anime dubs. I'm your color commentator for tonight, the one and only Spaceman Hardy, and boy have we got a treat for you this evening. It's a no-holds-barred exhibition match between the Dub Talk crew and the English dub of Katakawa's pro-wrestling isekai anime, Kimono Michi, Rise Up! And helping us tonight are my two incredible co-hosts. To my right, head editor and collaborator of the Dub Talk podcast, Jamal. Ah, that's my food, you stupid freeloader. <laughs> and to my left, we have a very special guest joining us tonight. Co-host of Surreal Resolution and podcast ONA and wrestling superfan, Alex from Another World. You know, they say all men are created equal. But you look at me. And you look at Animal Mask, and you can see that statement is not true. And then I go on and on about incredibly stupid math. You know, the usual wrestling knowledge. Right, yeah. So what exactly is Kimono Michi, you might ask? Wikipedia describes it as follows. Genzo Shibata is a famous pro wrestler known in the world of wrestling as Animal Mask. The night of the match for the title of world champion, he suddenly teleported into a fantasy world by a princess who asks him to act as a beast killer and free the kingdom from the evil beasts infesting its forests. However, Genzo is also a true animal lover, and he immediately refuses the order, knocking the princess out with a German suplex and leaving the castle. Alone in a new world, Genzo sides very soon with a wolf girl, Shigure, joining alongside her to the local guild and starting a new career as a beast hunter. However, instead of killing them, his goal is to befriend and capture as many monsters as possible in order to realize his greatest dream, becoming the owner of a pet shop. And so, basically, we've got pro wrestling meets isekai meets, I don't know, animal ref, animal planet. <laughs> so, yeah, it's an interesting concept, if nothing else. So... Now that our referee is in the ring and both of our contestants have gotten to the ring, let's ring the bell and start things off, as always, with our ADR director and scriptwriter. Um, for this show, our main ADR director is Jeremy Inman. For our assistant ADR director is Natalie Hoover. And our ADR scriptwriter is Kristen McGuire. 
Uh, other shows that Jeremy Inman has directed are Golden Kamui, Isekai Quartet, and My Roommate is a Cat. Uh, shows that Natalie has assisted on is, are Aurakana, Fuka, and Kono Oto Tomare, Sounds of Life. And scripts that Kristen McGuire has written are Ostra Lost in Space, Dr. Stone, and The Helpful Fox, Sinkosan. So, Alex, you are our guest this evening. Why don't you start us off with your opinions on the directing and script writing? Well, if I'm being totally honest, uh, the directing and script writing isn't something I really noticed unless it's particularly bad like angel cop bad but watching through this yeah. show uh it's very solid it's a very solid outing uh, there are a little bit of uh wink and nods to uh, the the uh, quote-unquote culture of professional wrestling and its fandom uh one scene in particular where the narr- where the announcer is going uh it's, it's just it's just part of the script guys that's clever. That's a clever little thing that would would normally get passed up and ignored. So I'm glad that they were able to put that in and make it sound convincing. As in, they actually don't know that what's happening wasn't part of the show. So yeah, uh, good on that. Uh, do you have any issues with the script as far as maybe putting a bit too modern slang for a fantasy setting or something like that? Uh, not really, no. Um, I, I know that this the series actually comes from, I believe, the same creative mind of Konosuba, so I'm kind of expecting uh, more of those weird colloquialisms to make their way into the fantasy setting, just because that's sort of why, what I expect from a bit of a comedic take on this whole isekai thing that... Uh, I'm not a big fan of, personally speaking. <laughs> fair, fair, yeah. There are some pretty bad ones out there, not oh. going to lie. Let's just leave it at the door, otherwise I'm going to go off for hours about yeah. the bad ones. Ugh. Isekai is to the is to the late two, uh, late two twenty teens as to as what Moe was to the early 2000s. It's everywhere, and it's just... It's oversaturated. It, it's everywhere, and it just never dies. Kind of like TNA. It's still around, <laughs> even though nobody cares about it. Oh, you meant wrestling. T- okay. Yeah. This, TNA. This is what I'm here for. Yeah. TNA, the Media Blasters of Wrestling Corporations. Quite literally, because they're all still, still around, somehow. Yeah. They just make all their money on hentai. <laughs> See, that's the TNA I thought you had meant, but... Uh, it all ties back around. It's a TNA of a different kind, yeah. All right, well, thank you, Alex. Uh, Jamal, what are your opinions on the script writing and directing? Uh, script writing... Well, let's, well, let's start off by saying these two are no strangers to Isekai because I believe Jeremy directed this the same time he directed Cautious Hero, and Chris is probably direct win for two other isekai before this most notable being slime and so while it is kind of straightforward to them and they do a very good job i do have kind of maybe one or two nitpicks with the scripts because there's like maybe a couple of choice lines i can understand you writing for a character for another world to establish them but i'm not used to the word jabronis as often as you may think but then again i Really kind of felt out of place with Swole and Slime, but that's another story. But Kristen manages to stay faithful 
to the subtitles. Especially can punch yourself when she can, which I thought I it was a little off when she put rolling the hay in the script. I turns out that was the same with the subtitles. Uh Jeremy Inman, I've always enjoyed his directorial work. He he does go a little out of the box with his casting sometimes, especially here, cause like you see you see a lot of names you recognize in the main core main core of the cast. But like some of the other characters are characters you or actors you don't see as much of or people you've never heard of. Though there is one interesting choice for obvious reasons, but we'll get to him later on. But other than that, I think the two did a very solid job with what they've had to work with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as far as I am considered, I think the acting was very solid all the way around. Uh, so that's good directing. If I had any gripes it would be what i mentioned is that there the use of modern slang during a it feels out of place in a fantasy setting and granted i get that they're going for comedic purposes but some of these some of these phrases would make no sense in a medieval fantasy setting um i get that they're added in just to make us laugh uh because uh, I know that a lot of times directors will and scriptwriters will do that just to make people people laugh, um, because J- Japanese and American senses of humor are very very different. Um, at the same time, though, I think it's not too big of an issue, but there are some times to where it does pop up and it becomes noticeably embarrassing. But other than that, I think the the directing and scriptwriting is solid. It's not the best in the world, but you know it's it does its job and it's 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 decent for the most part, yeah. And so that's pretty much all I have to say on the directing and script writing. Uh, let's move on to our first couple of characters. Now this has a pretty diverse and yet pretty consistent cast. So there's not too many characters, but we're going to cover the ones that are are prob- the most important. Uh, starting with the people who run things, uh, mainly the people behind the scenes. We have the unnamed guildmaster, who obviously is the master of the guild that uh, that Genzo and Shigure attend. Uh, he kind of gets on Genzo's bad side when uh, accidentally referring to him as the beast killer, and he tends to get put into walls and stuff, like another character we'll talk about later. Uh, and also, he eventually becomes the referee for all the wrestling matches. And all, another character we have who runs the bank is Claus. Uh, he is the one who sets up the big wrestle festival at near the end, and uh, he's very laid, very quiet, um, laid-back person. But he's actually secretly a wrestle freak as well. And so playing Claus, we have Stephen Fu, and playing the Guildmaster, we have Charlie Campbell. Stephen Fu, you've heard in shows such as Hinomaru Sumo and Robohachi, and he's the brand new vo- English voice for Ryo Saiba in the new City Hunter movie. As for Charlie Campbell, you've heard him as Wakaba in Fairy Tale, as, um, oh, what's the, what's his name? Uh, short dude from My Hero Academia. Glad to me, no. Gran Torino, that's right. Gran Torino and My Hero Academia, and he also was in Aka 13 uh, Territory, whatever. That's Aka 13, yeah. Uh, so, Alex, what are your opinions of these two characters? 
Um, <laughs> they're kind of there. They weren't really my main focus going through this show. Uh, Look-wise, I like Klaus's uh, Magane look, as the kids say. Oh, he's he's totally not Arcata from Glass Reflection. Totally. <laughs> totally. Um, yeah. yeah, another thing about me, I don't really pay super, super much attention to the quote-unquote bit character, so I might not have a whole lot to say about these uh, fine folks. I'll just say they do their part well, and they know how to play along with the show, which is kind of important when you're putting on a gigantic uh, wrestling festival presentation thing. I, I don't know what the equivalent would be called in a fantasy world. Um, I'll mull that over and think about it later on. Yeah. So what would the Federation be called? Like, That's a good question. If it had, it had to have a three-letter... Uh, company name. Uh, um, 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 uh, that's that's a IWF Isekai Wrestling Federation. <laughs> well, now we're starting to blend in other shows because uh, interpromotional warfare. That's 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 a thing that uh, happens every November. Ah. ah, I see. Okay. I don't know. I don't. I don't keep up with wrestling. So you haven't missed uh, much in the last fifteen years. Yeah. Uh, okay, uh, Jamal. What did? You, what was your opinion of these two? Uh, let's start off with Charlie Campbell. I mean, Guildmaster was just there. I I didn't even notice this much until like what my fifth rewatch now. I think this is or something like that. Wow. <laughs> okay, it wasn't just me then. Oh, um, there there was one other thing. I don't know if this was the guy who did it, but in the first episode. The word Cerberus was misspoken as Cerebuses. That bothered me. Yeah. The way I, that it shouldn't have. Yeah, I, I could kind of understand why, because, you know, lip flaps are a thing, and they got to make it work somehow. Like, there, there have been some types, there have been some mispronunciations regarding yeah. certain foreign words, so, certain loan words there are. Anyway, like I was saying, uh, Guildmaster was just there. I mean, I, I, I noticed him a couple of times. I didn't notice, I noticed him far more than I should have because I didn't know, I didn't remember he was the referee towards the end of the show. I just noticed any time, like, he decided pay any quests or anything. That's pretty much it. Uh, Klaus, I always thought he did look mischievous, and Stephen Fook had pulled it off. Especially Klaus is hard out for wrestling, which you know he tried poorly to hide. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, he's a closet freak. He's a closet freak, aren't they all? <laughs> <laughs> it's the it's the uh, it's the well dressed groomed ones that you got to look after. Oh god, you that you that reminds me of my old boss, but let's not talk about that. Anyway, the two did a very good job for what they were given. Klaus was a figurehead, and the Guildmaster was just a plot device, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there really isn't that much to say about these two. They are important characters, but then again, they are basically just a means to an end to move the plot along. Yeah, um, uh, it's kind of unfortunate when characters are just uh, used as a plot device. 
More so when major characters are used as just a plot device in other shows. <laughs> Where did that come from? <laughs> yeah, so I have to I have to echo what you guys said. There's not enough of them to really make an opinion. Um, the Guildmaster is just there basically to get thrown through walls when it, when he calls Genzo the Beast Killer and also to be the referee at the end. Um, and Charlie is Charlie Campbell is Charlie Campbell. I've always respected his work a lot. Um, so getting to hear him more is always a treat. Uh, this is a bit of a different different take for Stephen Fu because most of his characters lately have have been more on the energetic side. Klaus is just very laid back and chill and quiet, and so it goes. It, it shows a, a bit of. Uh, Steven's death, uh, how he's playing a much more taciturn, by the books sort of character, and uh, but it, it is nice when he does have his little his little fangasms and and uh, behind the scenes because he's totally into it. You can tell he's trying to hide it, but he's totally into it. And so while these two don't have a whole lot to talk about, they do their jobs. And speaking of jobbers, <laughs> let's move on. Let's move on to our first well uh, trio. Well yes. Speaking of, yeah. Let's move on to our first trio of wrestlers. These are uh, a few characters that meet up with Genzo along the period of the show in various times. And uh, they end up as a tag team near the in the wrestle, uh, wrestling festival near the end. We have Heat Haze, who is an adventurer. Um He's the leader of a group of adventurers who is always uh, making the mistake of calling Genzo the beast killer and constantly getting punted into the sun. <laughs> Conven whereas Shigure conveniently finds his weapons and sells them for a profit. Conveniently. Yeah. Convenient. Whoops. This was just laying around here. Uh, so we also have Sellies. She is a half-human, half-lizard man. Um, but strangely, the only part of her that is a lizard is her stomach. The rest of her is completely human. Uh, she tries to convince Genzo to take her on as a protege so that she can learn how to fight better. And then we have Princess but I mean, Princess Altina <laughs> Edgardo Rattus. Good lord, look at those Christian buttocks. My goodness. Yeah, um, I know that there. Yeah, anyway, <laughs> she is. She is. She is the princess who initially summons Genzo into her world uh, and gives him the assignment to go and kill the beasts. Obviously, Genzo doesn't like that, and he suplexes her on the spot, exposing her butt to the entire kingdom. Um, later on, she too becomes. Or attempts to become a wrestler and ends up embarrassing herself even more. Playing these characters, playing Heat Haze, we have Ian Mead Moore. Playing Sellies, we have Amanda Lee. And playing Altina, we have Amber Lee Connors. You've heard Ian Moore in shows such as 91 Days, Kado, and Luck and Logic. You've heard Amanda Lee in shows such as Grimoire of Zero, Zombieland Saga, and Hina Matsuri. And you've heard Amberly Connors in shows such as Keijo, Citrus, and Kokoku. So, Alex, uh, take us off. What do you think of these three? 
Okay, well, for uh, Mr. Heat Haze here, I see this guy, and I see him as sort of the archetypical fantasy setting foil. Only, he's not really much of a foil, he's just more of a comedy relief kind of foil. You know, the guy who's there just to egg on the main character, only his gimmick is that he gets punted into a wall and his swords get uh, stolen in which they grow higher and higher and higher in value each time, which, um... Okay, anime logic, sure, why not? Yeah, it's like pawning off Excalibur. Yeah, that, that uh... Yeah, that, that seems to work. Uh, as for, uh... Celis, how I said that right? Mm -hmm. I like her. She's got, uh... She's got all the makings to make a fine professional wrestler. Kind of like, uh... Well, actually, there are far too many for me to name because the uh, world of women's wrestling has grown much stronger in the last 15 years, so that's something you should probably look up. Fantastic. Mm -hmm. um, the whole thing about only her stomach being lizard is kind of weird. It just feels a little strange that the only part is the stomach. Everything else is totally humanoid, but uh, again, anime logic. Who am I to judge? Mm -hmm. It's somebody's fetish. It's, well, yeah, it's somebody's and somebody we know. Yeah. <laughs> and as for the princess herself, you see, she always goes to one certain place. A place called Suplex City. <laughs> and if I'm being honest, the gag does kind of wear thin once we see it happen, you know, nine episodes in a row. I get that it's a motif. I get that it's trait, so to speak, but oh, oh, you do it too many times, and it just gets uh, kind of tiresome. It's like, okay, we get the gag. Is there anything else to her? No? Okay, there's her butt. Okay, sure. Uh, she does get her own in a few episodes, though, so I'll give her that much. But, uh, yeah, uh, the whole the whole gimmick of uh, you know the suplex kind of did a little too much. Uh, what were your opinions of the performances? Oh, the performances. Uh, very solid. Very solid all around. I didn't really notice anything technically wrong with them. Uh, certainly no mispronunciations of any words. Thankfully. Yeah, very solid all around. And Amberly Connor, she, she took all that like a champ, didn't she? All those suplexes, <laughs> all the all the leers, all the, uh, uh, the coverings. The Riona. Yeah. Yeah, at least at least Genzo can be a gentleman sometimes and cover up uh, the unsightly parts of her body, but uh, yeah, <laughs> taking it like a champ. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, Amber's played a, her fair share of fan servicey roles, so this is no different. So, okay, Jamal, what did you think of these three? When you said Jabba's, usually the thing it comes to mind is pieces of shit, but what we have here is. <laughs> We got one obnoxious character, we got one soldier who seeks approval from her senpai, and we've got a closeted masochist. Uh, let's start with Hides. Uh, Hides, he, he, he's not painful, but he does come off as obnoxious every time. And that's one thing I forgot to bring up with the casting, because a lot of these actors, they do a very good job, but... A lot of these characters are kind of one note for me, to be honest. And Heat Haze is 
a prime example of that because he's always so gung-ho about jumping out to somebody else's mission, getting ready for battle and saying that he'll be the best, only to get his butt kicked by Genzo. <laughs> but he does a very good job just maintaining that consistency. Uh, Amanda Lee is Celeste. I was, I was surprised the first time I saw it that that was Amanda Lee. I was like, who is that voice? Because... I normally hear Amanda Lee is kind of like this, with this whispery, excited kind of tone, like, in the, like her own Edro or Kimono Fest, that kind of thing. So when I saw her here, I was kind of impressed she could dis display such a warrior spirit with, with such fiery passion, only to realize in the end she's just, I don't know, I guess she's just trying to seek approval because you know Celeste has been kind of teased a little bit and so and Genzo's not buying all this BS2 which we'll get to Genzo later because boy if I got words uh, <laughs> Emily Carter's is Princess, uh, Princess Butt Cheeks Princess Butts, whatever you want to call her she does a very good job playing Patty Poutface essentially because you know like whenever she gets a little worried or gets a little frustrated she just kind of ends up pouting afterwards unless she's being suplexed by Genzo and Abba does a very good job just maintaining that level of embarrassment. And it was a good thing you pointed out Kato for one of her previous roles, Hardy, because it sounds like it was just kind of a match made in heaven. Mm -hmm. Certainly not a match made that night, and she got her butt kicked, but. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, everybody did a pretty good job, so. Would you think that Princess Altsuna would be a good Kato player? No, she get a butt butt. I think she get a butt <laughs> kick, but you know, they just bumping yeah. butts with each other. So she probably tell people she probably get butted out. You know. Yeah, at least she's got the assets of a player. So. <laughs> I I I, you I yeah I know. Yeah, well, unfortunately, she tends to be a little too anal over the over some of these things. I can see why the phone is porcelain. Jesus Christ, look at her butt. <laughs> Oh my goodness! We're not always this pig-headed, just so you know. No, that's you. Yes, we are. Yeah, yeah, we totally Some are. Some more than others, <laughs> Andrew. <laughs> yeah, <coughs> Andrew. <laughs> Andrew. Yeah. Yes, I've dunk on Andrew as much as possible. That's the dub talks way. <laughs> Whenever given the chance, always dunk on Andrew. As Ruth says, tasteless uh, jokes at Andrew's expense. <laughs> <laughs> Trademark. All right. So, yeah, my turn. Um, Heat Haze didn't really stand out because most of the time when you see him, he's going face first into a wall. Um, I am, however, a fan of Ian Moore's acting because I was really I really thought he was fantastic in 91 days. Um, but, yeah, he, he kind of pulls off the the overexcited um, idiot savant sort of uh sort of role like in if this was any if this was any regular fantasy this guy would probably be uh like gory from slayers is a good comparison to make oh, it oh yeah yeah um so yeah I, it's funny watching him get the his butt kicked but it's about he's he is a one-note character um amanda lee really surprised me as Sally sellies because she's not usually known for playing a role as mature. And I say mature is because I think Sally's is still in her teenage, still a teenager. 
I'm not sure. I don't know what her official age is. But, um, yeah, she she makes... I, I, at first, didn't know it was Amanda Lee because she didn't really sound like her. Uh, this is completely different from the other roles that she is known for playing. And I think she played her pretty well. Eberly Connors as Princess Altano, though. That poor girl, she just... Oh, good lord. <laughs> Where do I even start? Because this is definitely outside of the roles that Amber is known for playing. And because usually she plays like these these more developed womanly characters. Princess Altina is just a brat. Um, yeah, Celeste is more developed than and, her. Yeah. And we know totally... Altino wants that Genzo dick. She wanted the first episode. <laughs> yes. Uh, unfortunately, as we'll get to later, that can never be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, she, uh, as soon as he put his arms around her, she's like, oh, maybe later. <laughs> she was up for it. Not going to lie. Oof. But yeah, no, I think all the three, all three of these are, are good all around. And uh, so moving on to our first set of heroes to our first set of antagonists. We have Joanna, who is a vampire princess. In fact, let me pull it up to be exact. She is the heir princess of all vampires and who are fighting a war against humans and other species. And she is the one who summons Genzo's rival into this world. And she is accompanied by Rose, who is her servant and the highest class of vampire. She is uh, Carmilla's rival. And finally, we have, let me get say this right, Macadamian Ogre, also known as Mao, who is Genzo's sworn rival in the in uh, on Earth, um, has always lost to him. And he accuses Genzo of ditching their match for the world champion. And he wants revenge. And uh, so he is summoned into the alternate world in order to uh, be, be essentially become the devil king and take out the hero, hero who is Genzo. And so playing these characters, uh, playing Joanna, we have Lindsay Seidel. Playing Rose, we have Christy Rothrock. And in a nigh unrecognizable performance, we have Damon Mills playing Mao. Lindsay Seidel, you've heard in other shows such as Ace Attorney, Assassination Classroom, and the recent uh, Kino's Journey TV series, the inferior one. Um, Christy Rothrock, you've heard in shows such as The Ones Within, Chio School Road, and Classroom of the Elite. And Damon Mills, you've heard in shows such as Nanbaka, Kochoki, and he was the main villain in the recent movie One Piece Stampede. So, Alex, would you like to take the floor? Yeah, so for uh, Joanna and Rose, there's a very sinister elegance to both of their performances. Uh, you know, when they're not being intentionally silly for comedic effects in uh, certain aspects. But the way they, they're presented and the way uh, their voices are commanded, it, it's very high class and also evil. More so out of pettiness rather than 
than uh, bad intent, but uh, yeah. yeah, very, very draconian. If I can be very uh, cliche about that kind of thing, or is it Drac? Uh, I, I, I was trying to make a pun and I lost it, but uh, yeah, I forget all that. Mm. Um, they have a very interesting dynamic with our main heroes. Which sort of ties into that pettiness I mentioned earlier. It's less it's less like a bloodthirsty rivalry and more of like a schoolyard um what was the what was I gonna say? Like a schoolyard rivalry. Yeah, it's it's less I want to defeat you and take my place at the throne and more why can't I be better than you? Yeah. <laughs> and I guess that ties into how Mal gets involved. And, oh boy, Mao, um, I firmly believe that Damon Mills is not a human. He is a <laughs> wizard. He practices black magic because there is no way somebody that pretty can sound so sinister and evil. It's just how he puts out these performances baffles me and impresses me. I love this man. I love the work he does. And how he performs as Mao is just about as sinister and over-the-top as I would expect. Because Mao's character, once uh, Genzo is sort of poofed out of existence, it's very over-the-top heel. Where he's just lamenting the fact that I can never beat him. I need to beat him. Why isn't he here? I need to beat him so I can take my spot atop the wrestling world. It's it's so over the top. I can't help but love it. And the way Damon Mills performs with that very uh, uh, gruff and just really throaty baritone. So it's sort of going down there. It's fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. Sort of goes along with Mal's character arc as well from you know, start to end. And yeah, uh, Damon Mills, my favorite performance of this entire show. I don't know how he does it. He's very unassuming when you look at him. When you hear him, my God, how does he do it? No, I've seen him in person and how he does it. I don't know. <laughs> um, no, no, I. Uh... It's it. All we can say is he's actually a video game character pulled into the real world. He 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 himself got isekai'd in here. <laughs> it's uh. like he's a mix of Dante and Sephiroth in human form, with the voice of pure gravel. What he wants, and so. the look of a sparkly angel at that. Mm -hmm. All right, Jamal, what did you have to say? Uh, yeah, I'm gonna have to agree with Alex on Joanna and Rose because at the beginning it did sound like you know they were very confident, like they were very unassuming, like they were very high on the horse, and then it kind of devolves into just like this little schoolyard rivalry to which both Joanna and Christy handled that very well because, like. Because with these two, they have to kind of put on airs like they know what they're doing, but really they're just being silly. Especially more so with Lindsay Seidel, because when Rose points out to Joanna at the end that uh, maybe Mal might be a bit of a moron, she said, she tells him to stop pointing out the obvious they can't already fix. I thought both of them handled those changes very well. And Christy Rothrock, I'm still trying to get used to her voice now. 
I mean, I've watched What's Within. Please don't ever watch that. Actually, cut that. I, I liked it. I actually liked I, it. I, 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 I thought it was okay, too, but it felt... That, it was like... It was like a battle royale with no violence. It was like if Danganronpa was an isekai, but there was no bloodshed. Anyway, Chrissy's voice I'm still getting used to, but she did a very good job. Lizzie did a very good job. I have a hot take about Damon Mills because while, yes, he is unrecognizable, he is the Black Magic Wizard, I kind of found his... The voice he used here to... I don't know what it was. I think it might have been the character decided or the way Mal portrays himself. That it didn't exactly work for me. Maybe because in the, in the back of his throat, like, you can hear, like, some kind of raspiness to the point where maybe you just push this voice to make it sound like he was a really tough guy. Compared to Genzo's actor, which I found to be more natural, but we'll get to him later. I think it has to do with the super sharp shark teeth that Mal has. It sort of gives off the very evil persona. It's, it's less about the it's less about the persona, more about the character itself. Cause like maybe, maybe you could be right, but I don't know. It's just like it was something wrong with it. But I mean, credit to David where it goes. It's just it wasn't really working enough for me. Me, especially towards the end when he, when he starts monologuing and the little dog interrupts it. Like, he didn't fit for me exactly, but it still worked in the end. Uh, is that all? Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, I have to agree with both of you as far as Joanna and Rose are concerned. Uh, they do have a very good dynamic together and they play off each other rather well. And... I think Rose in particular, the way Christy is able to act so sinister and evil and I'm and superior to everyone. And then <laughs> Carmilla pulls down her skirt. And she's like, stop, stop. Everybody's going to look. <laughs> it's able to, the way she's able to just go back and forth between these, the sort of diabolical villains and then, and, and then just suddenly turn into just this, these these whiny sort of brats. The way that both of them are able to do that is is rather impressive. Uh, it's sort of like, what's a good comparison to them for villains? Uh, it's like you come out with guns blazing and it just devolves into a slap fight. Pretty much, yeah. Like no, not even like even a good slap fight. One of those sissy. Um, uh, you know, limp-wristed slap fights that people have. Well, now I'm just thinking of the slap fight that Craig and Abe had in that one of us with Malcolm in the Middle. Oh, oh yeah. Where where they want, I, the, I, they I, want I, the babysitter, and they just went, ah, and then they just... Actually, I could, I could think of a better one. Uh, have you ever seen other Undercover Brother? It's been yeah. about... Unfortunately, yes. 16 years for me since I last saw any of that movie. Yeah. Yeah, there was a fight between two women. It started out fist fight, then next thing you know, the guys were just fantasizing like it was a tickle fight or something like that. <laughs> it was between Sister Girl and White Sheet Devil. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Yeah. Kind of like the uh, the uh, the old Budweiser commercial with the two uh, Playboy models. 
Oh, oh you mean you mean you mean the Miller Lite Catfight Girls? Yes, yes. Ah. Another wrestling reference from uh, 2003. Yeah, that was a, like, a very bad. Great idea. taste, less filling. Great taste, less filling. Uh. <laughs> it shows the two guys at the bar uh, with their girlfriends, and they're and 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 they're like, what? But anyways, um, that's basically, we're getting off track, but hey, we've got time. Huh. Um, so, Damon Mills, is there anything that can be said at this point? I think, I don't think that there is a role he can't play. I'm convinced that he could pretty much play an entire cast of an anime himself, and you wouldn't know that it was one person. Uh, that having been said, I like his voice for Mao, but there are times to where it does sound a bit forced. Like he's, it's less a voice that you would, would come out of a human being and more someone making a voice like a, like making a voice unnecessarily gruff on purpose. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, but it does work because Mao is such an over-the-top character that he's basically not—he's not really human himself. He's basically a giant cartoon, walking cartoon. Um, and so, while it does seem it goes back and forth to sounding really good and sounding, you know, kind of out of place. In general, though, it works. And so, I have to say, yeah, uh, Damon does a good job. Uh, it's not my most impressive i'm still blown away that he's the old guy from uran ice i don't believe that and <laughs> and if anyone here has seen one piece stampede the villain he plays i did not know who that was until i read it online after the movie i was forward but anyways uh let's move on from our main villains to our bumbling uh secondary villains we have a group of, would you say that they're con men or would you say that they're thieves or what would you, what would you guys call them? Like just ne'er-do-wells? Shanties. I think con men was given the uh, events that unfolded. Right. So we've got this trio. Uh, we've got Edgar, who is a human and he's in charge. Um he is a town merchant and companion of the other two. He thinks that Genzo is a pervert and tries to help uh, the other two out getting revenge on him. We have, let me say, make sure I'm saying this right. Wolfgang von Kraftman, who is a anthropomorphic wolf man. Uh, he is tries to put on airs to look gruff and brutal, but Genzo kind of I don't want to say this pets him <laughs> in ways that are uh, it, it, slightly uh, or just less our pets and more on fire dates. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. Which I will so, get so to he later. And so he kind of gets 
develops PTSD and, and fears going outside because he doesn't want to get molested by Genzo again. And finally, we have his sister, ironically, who is a cat girl uh, named Misha. And she also thinks that uh, Genzo is a giant pervert. And she also is a, not as bad as Wolfgang, but she also gets petted against her will. So, which gets more than a little skeevy. So, playing these three characters of ne'er-do-wells, we have Chris George as Edgar. Playing Wolfgang, we have Gabe Kunda. And playing Misha, we have Leah Clark. Chris George, you've heard in shows such as Africa Salaryman, Roby Hachi, and Cheer Boys. Gabe Kunda, you've heard, is the titular character Bim. We've heard of him as Rock Lock in My Hero Academia and as the chief director in Copcraft. Leah Clark, you've heard in shows such as New, G New Game, Nichijo, and Miss Kobayashi's Dragon Maid. So, Alex, uh, I'm tagging you in. You want to talk about jobbers? Mm -hmm. These are jobbers right here. Mm -hmm. These are the kind of jobbers that all get wiped out in a minute flat with just uh, a kick and a punch and a finishing move, and that's it. They're done. Get out. Uh, the performances are, are kind of along that line. Very, uh, very, um, what's the word I'm looking for? I'm trying to pick my words very carefully. They're trying to pull off a con every time, every time they're on screen, and uh, they sound like uh, they're trying to uh, pull off a con. Granted, their ideas are not very bright, but hey, that, gotta give them points for determination. Kind um, of snidely whiplash types. Uh, sure, yeah. Um, for whatever reason, I felt that uh, Wolfgang... Is that the right pronunciation? I think it's Wolfgang. I don't I know. I think it's Wolfgang. Wolfgang. I think it's either... A Wolfgang. Uh, Wolfgang. Yeah, sure. His... I felt that his voice wasn't really gruff enough... You know, for, for the role, you, you know, you got a, a walking, talking wolf. I expect something a little more kind of, you know, gritty, low register, that kind of thing. Just a little bit more. Um, unfortunately, that comes into what I think about uh, the whole thing about their characters. Because, uh, again, you want to talk one note? Uh, these are one note. Um, Wolfgang is here just to get um, glomped on. And look, the first time around, okay, it's, yeah, it's a gag. Uh, then they keep doing it. Kind of like with the suplex thing, you do it too much, then it loses all of its luster and meaning and the comedic effect. It's just, uh, you know, you can only do it so many times before it's just sort of, you know, isn't funny anymore. But at, at the very least, um... Edgar is not too uh, against all those paydays from Shigure. Isn't Very that true. right? <laughs> yeah, and as for Misha, uh, yeah, bright, bubbly in parts and kind of uh, annoyed in others. Yeah, what I expect from a diminutive cat girl like her. Voiced by Leah Clark, nonetheless. Yeah. Kind of fitting that way, isn't it? Uh, Jamal. Uh, yeah. Start with Edgar. Edgar. He, yeah, he was. 
Yeah, he was definitely gruff, but it worked for what the character calls for. Chris George did a good job. Uh, Gabe Cooder's the Wolfman. I thought it kind of worked because, you know, the Wolfman is kind of what you would think he'd be, but you realize he's kind of unassuming in the end, especially when he gets uh, violated by Genzo, which uh, I think episode 8, when, he, when his sister Misha accidentally thinks that he's coming to defend his order. How is it he's in the ring for 30 seconds and the timer says he's been in the match 18 minutes? I don't, I don't, actually, no, I don't want to know what goes on because they displayed that uh, Blossom and Rose image. And uh, if you ever watched the anime uh, long enough, you know exactly what that means. Uh, uh, we don't need to see Genzo playing Red Rocket with him. Ew. That's what's going on. You know it. I know it. Everyone knows it. But Gabe, Gabe did very good playing both the uh, guy put the tough play the tough guy front and the uh, scared guy front easily. Uh, Lee Clark, she does her usual business. She's very good in this role. Though she did have kind of a spunk that I felt was missing from one other character, but we'll get to that later. But. Oh no, everybody did very good. Yeah, that's all I got to say. Alright. Um, let me be the first to address that of all the jokes in this show, Wolfgang getting molested is probably the easily the most skeevy, skeevy and uncomfortable one. Yeah, if you do it the first time, sure, why not? But the fact that it keeps going back to it is probably my least favorite part of the show. I don't know. Doing it the first time made me uncomfortable, too. Not as, not as much as what else Genzo did later on that episode, but we'll get to that. Right. But um, as far as the performances are concerned, um, these three, again, are mainly background characters. So, especially in Edgar's case. Edgar, Chris George plays Edgar... The way you would expect a uh, a grizzled old con man to sound like you listen to him and, and you're like, yeah, this guy is uh, he's a piece of work. He's probably going to cheat me out of my cash. I think Chris pulls that off rather well. Um, Leah Clark has a nice bubbly step to her and uh, which we've heard from her in other roles before. And it works really well right here with a literal cat girl. Um, Gabe Kunda goes back and forth between trying to sound really tough and being in PTSD mode after uh, Gendo assault, Genzo assaults him. Um, and so <laughs> it's funny listening to him and his sort of, you know, uh, what was it? Um, manic state where he's like, I'm not going outside. I don't go outside. Mm-hmm. He's going to get me. So I think that was really enjoyable. If even though that, particular joke was I, I, more or less on the uncomfortable lie. side. I'm not going to lie. When you said PTSD, I thought you said PETSD. I'm like, really? <laughs> well, it, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, solid performances all around. These the, are just background characters, but I think the actors do them justice for what they need to do. All right, moving on 
from those, we're now heading on to our main female cast. Basically, Genzo's would-be harem. If, you know, he was uh, later. Yeah, if, yeah. We have Shigure, who is a wolf girl. And uh, she's half human, half wolf. And therefore, she also finds herself uh, getting petted by Genzo, but not nearly to the extent as the others. Um, She is very greedy and ambitious, uh, who wants to become rich as soon as possible if it only wasn't for everyone else eating, spending their money to eat their food, drink their booze, and buy more animals. She is constantly... She's constantly working her butt off to try to basically make the money that they need to survive only for it to get squandered by the other three housemates. And she's also the one who conveniently steals away Heat Haze's expensive stores, uh, swords and even Genzo's trophy at the end. Let's just say she she's she's a gold digger. Or rather, she would be if the people didn't stop spending all her money. Yeah, essentially, she's bringing home the bacon to the point of stealing it, but Hanako keeps eating it. Right. Speaking of Hanako, uh, we have Linda Brea Fafnir Guildmarag, who is also known as Hanako. She is a half-human, half-dragon girl, and she's the sole heir of a noble family. Uh, However, she left the castle to view the world she is has an insatiable appetite is always seen eating and she wants to uh she joins genzo so that she can taste the meat of every single animal in the world and finally we have hanako's assistant uh carmilla vonstein who is her vampire maid she does not like get along with gendo she like vampires does not like holy water and garlic, and she needs an umbrella when she goes out in sunlight. And she uh, tries to appease Hanako's every whim, which comes across as kind of creepy. She also drinks a whole lot of booze and spends all their money on it. So playing these three characters, playing Shigure, we have Emily Hornsby. Playing Hanako, we have Afia Yu. And playing Carmilla, we have Mallory Rodak. Afia Yu, you've heard in shows such as Shonen Maid, Love Live Sunshine, and Gossip. Mallory Roddick, you've heard in shows such as Space Battleship Yamato, Star uh, 2199 and 2202, A Certain Magical Index Season 2 and 3, and as the High Elf Archer in Goblin Slayer. Emily Hornsby is interesting because she doesn't have very many roles to her name, but she does go back to Funimation quite a ways. Her other named role was all the way back in Baki the Grappler. Wow. If you can believe it. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> she has she has since uh, appeared in more recent dubs such as My Roommate is a Cat and Boogie Pop and others in minor roles. Uh, so, yeah. Um, Alex, why don't you start us off? Okay. Well, uh, Shigure... I enjoy her character. I'm not going to say the word uh, Kanai because that's not the right word I'm, I should be saying about a character like her. I would say she has a lot of cunning to her. 
you know, minus the whole, uh, all the money gets eaten up because of food and drinks and all that crap. Uh, the performance is full of that uh, very sneaky, con- sneaky, cunning aspects, like uh, with all those sores that get conveniently picked up and sold off. It's like, ooh, I wonder what I can do with this. <laughs> I-, I enjoy that. Uh, the pairing of Hanako and Carmilla, I find it to be interesting. After you use performance as Hanako is uh, what I expect from a character as young as her. Uh, very innocent of heart, but do not piss her off because she will turn into a dragon and scare the bejesus out of you. Uh, even if that involves uh, getting naked, which is... Uh, no thank you, no thank you. Uh, Carmilla, uh, for some reason I thought her voice reminded me of Colin, Colleen Clinkenbeard with some of her roles. Really? I, 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 don't, I don't know why, maybe it's just that, that timbre... Did I hear or timber or timber, whatever the actual term is? I never, I can never remember it. Timber. Timber. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's just that, that that kind of timber and tone that reminds me of uh, Rise of Hawkeye or Urza Scarlet. Maybe Ooh, it's a me right. thing, but uh, yeah, that that's usually reserved for the more serious moments, though. Not so much the uh, "I'm done with this shit" kind of moments. Okay. Or, yeah. Uh, is that all? Um, yeah, that's all. Also, um, the whole Carmilla and Hanako thing can get a little too weird, uh, considering their statures and size and, yeah, whatever. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Jamal, what did you have to think? I uh, start with, uh, Afia. It's interesting, because usually when you hear Afia play younger characters, it's usually little boys, so... When I heard it was her playing little girl, I was kind of surprised because th- this is this is a tempo I'm not exactly used to, but Alfie matches pulled that off very well, as well as the she matches. It's funny because she matches to play the playful side very well, as well as the hugger side. But she, but uh, Hadiko and uh, when I get to Shigure, they kind of seem to act as voice of reasons at times. And Alfie manages to point out very well. Uh, Carmilla, as I guess Hardcore's familiar, whatever you want to call it. Mallory Rodak is usually an air of elegance, so what I hear in these kinds of roles is, is different. It's, like, it's very out of the box. I haven't seen her like, this out of the box since Udiko and Hidematsuri. And uh, to the point where she's also as deplorable as her like in certain situations, but... She does have a playful nature to her, the, a sensitive side, I guess. Especially when Genzo starts training her, you can hear her screaming in the background. <laughs> <laughs> like that's, 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 that's the entire scene is just, you know, Carmilla just screaming like bloody murder while Klaus and and I think Shigure are having their little meeting, setting up the festival. Yeah, <laughs> it's just like this nonstop stream of just agony. In the background, yeah. Not everybody's cut out to be a wrestler. And case uh, in point, I've I've watched enough Wapukita to hear that scream. <laughs> but but yeah, for for the playful moments and the serious moments and the deplorable moments, Matthew Rodak does a very good job. Especially that there was one scene where Genzo had her the shaming hold, which looked more like a spread eagle, if you ask me. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, uh, Emily Hornsby should go. I've, I've, up until now, I've never heard her before. I mean, I'm sorry, I haven't finished my roommate as a cat, so I don't know what to say there. She, she kind of sounds to me like an older Sarah Weedenhaft. To the point, I actually thought that was Sarah Weedenhaft when I first saw this. And then when I heard her, so I was like, wait, what? Yeah, she manages to handle Shigeru's swindling side, her gold digger side, but also her mature side very well. To the point, like, when, especially when she helps out Genzo try to get her, his dog Hiroyuki back. So, my one nitpick is I kind of wish, like, during the screaming moments when she's just real upset, I wish she had more for Spunk, kind of like with Lee and Clark, because it kind of felt like. I don't know, maybe she was out of it or she was trying not to straighten her voice. But it felt slightly believable, but it was just like he was just missing that energy, you know? Okay. Anything else? Uh, yeah, how the girl needs to stop eating that bird's food. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and since what. She needs to stop eating, period. Oh, since I mentioned the bird. Or at least in moderation. Since I mentioned the bird, I gotta give a shout out to Anthony Boyle because, man, him as the bird was just. Fucking hilarious. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Um, Emily Hornsby, I have to agree with you, Jamal. She sound, for the longest time, I thought it was Sarah Wheatonheff until it was announced. Um, because she does sound, share very many similarities with her to the point where I'm thinking, you know, was it, is this, was this accurate? Was, was this, uh, was this, you know, a misprint? Was is it actually Sarah Weedhef? But no, it's 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 this is accurate, and um, so I'd like I liked what I've heard from her, and I'd like to hear more from her. So and she's been with Funimation since the beginning. She was like uh, extra. She's never been in like any big. This is the biggest role she's ever been in. Um, but I mean, she's been all all extra voices going back to the Kodocha and Case Closed days. If you can believe that. Wow. Um, yeah, and so I really like her, Sugar. I'd like to hear more from her. I hope that she pops up more in the future. Um, Afia Yu as as Hanako, you really get to hear her her innocent girl voice and also her more serious voice when Hanako confronts Joanna and basically says, "Hey, bitch, back off." And does it with this level of coldness that just just chilling, and yeah, the whole part where she has to take off her clothes so she doesn't have to, they don't get torn when she turns into a dragon is kind of creepy. But thankfully, they don't like try to sexualize it, which I'm glad they didn't do. Um, but yeah, no, I I think Avia did a really great job as Hanako. Let's talk about Carmilla Vanstein. Oh, your boy. Oh boy, look at this piece of work. Uh, never have I felt so called out by an anime character. <laughs> she is an alcoholic, uh, good for nothing, uh, point, you know, talentless hack who is just, she's, she's this show's butt monkey, basically. Even more so than Princess Altina, or even more so than Wolfgang. She gets her ass kicked so much. And 
And I, I'm not, I don't want to say she doesn't deserve it, but um, not all the time. But, uh, but man, listening to Mallory Roddick, because I'm familiar with her in her more, you know, her more taciturn and quiet and like maternal roles, like, like Yuki from Star Blazers. Um, listening to her get to ham it up and just go completely bullshit extreme, especially in the background when Ginso's like manhandling her. Uh, it's just so funny to listen to. It's hilarious. Um, she's probably, she is probably my favorite performance in the show, honestly. So, because it's so much fun listening to Mallory actually get to uh, talk some sass like she did in Goblin Slayer, even. Um, yeah, it's it was a lot of fun. That's all I have to say. And anyone else before we head on to our main event? Uh, anyone else have any comments? I think we should be good. Uh, yeah, I think we're good. Okay. So, all right. So now we head on to our headliner. We've been doing groups so far, but we have one more character to talk about. And that is the titular animal mask himself, Genzo Shibata. He is a famous pro wrestler who was teleported to a fantasy world, slay the demon king and become the hero. However, because he has a deep love for animals, he refuses to kill any monsters and he wants to prefer, he prefers to capture them and uh, sell them in a pet shop. He To say that he loves animals is the understatement of the century. He literally does the way he fights animals is by petting and cuddling them and there is no animal that is ugly or ugly in his eyes or hideous in his eyes. He loves all creatures great and small. He's if Ace he's if Ace Ventura was a wrestler. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's a good way to put it. Right. Yeah. Even when said animals try to eat him. <laughs> now, if you mess with his dog though. Oh god. Oh no. Hell hath no fury. Don't mess with Hiroyuki. And so, playing the animal mask is one Tyson Reinhardt. You've heard him in shows as Daru, heard him as Daru in Steins Gate, uh, some shows that he was recently in in Hidomaro Sumo, and also in All Out. So a couple of sports anime and, uh, and a science fiction. All right, so Alex, take it away. What are your thoughts on Tyson as Genzo? Well, he's got two voices to him. You know, the super tough, triumphant, pro-wrestler voice and the voice where he sees the animals and he goes, Aah! you know, that kind of Squee. voice. Yeah. Th- very, I guess you could say two notes. Yeah, that was, that was terrible. I'm sorry about that. No, that's okay. Uh, but yeah, uh, the performance is, is very solid going back and forth between, uh, you know, the, you know, super, you know, tough baby face pro-wrestler voice with the mask on. Uh, versus his regular people voice. You know, wh- whether he is or is not uh, seeing animals or animal people to uh, gush over, be it woman or man, because, you know, he's one of my people, while also being very asexual in a lot of aspects, which is uh, 
Yeah, he's, he's, he is very much one with the nature of the beast, as evidenced yeah. by the scene of him giving a three-headed Cerberus a Canadian destroyer. <laughs> Which is all kinds of impossible, but hey, anime logic, so what do I know? Um, yeah, he is the triumphant hero in a lot of aspects, and a big old goofy dweeb in, um, in every other one. All he and wants he is that pet shop, and maybe he'll get it, we don't know. Yeah, he's also kind of stupid, too. Oh, absolutely stupid. We call mm -hmm. that dumb baby face syndrome. Because, I think you know, the ant they... is actually smaller, smarter than he is. Oh, absolutely. Because, you know, ants are very resourceful. And they can carry how many times their own weight? Like yeah. 600 times their own weight or something? I, I don't know. I get all my science act from Tom and Jerry cartoons. Yeah. In case uh, anyone who's, who's listening... Um, who hasn't watched the show, there is a giant ant that just is there. And he just hangs out with Genzo for reasons unknown. <laughs> so, has no voice actor, he's completely quiet, but he's like, he's the most chill character in the show, we gotta be honest. He's just there to do all, all the busy work, while uh, yeah. the rest of the crew just uh, do their thing yeah. with uh, training yeah. and copious amounts of screaming, because uh, yeah. training is hard. Yeah. But don't you go near Hiroyuki or he'll mess you oh, up. Oh, no, 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 no. And, you know, don't sell him either. Yeah. Because he wasn't for right. sale to begin with. Mm-hmm. Yes. The, the lesson of the story is don't touch another man's dog. Uh, Jamal. Kind of funny you said that. Because uh, with Genzo, he only cares about two things, really. Animals and wrestling. And boy, does he go hard on both of them, because <laughs> you, you mentioned earlier that the uh, the whole petting Wolfgang thing was uncomfortable. What about when he uh, tries to wrangle the head of the Cerebrus pack? Oh, now, yeah. Um, I'm a dog hey. owner, and even I wouldn't do that. That is, that is downright uncomfortable. That's weird, yeah. Um... Yeah. <laughs> was it the whole tummy kiss thing or something? No, 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 no it it's was... the sniff this butt thing. Oh, ew, no. Yeah, yeah. So that, 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 that's, that's, that's just weird. But, but other than that, yeah, he's kind of a moron. He's not a vanilla character. He's just vanilla whey protein. <laughs> <laughs> but with Tyson Reinhardt, you say he's two-sided. I actually think he has three voices now that I think about it because there's where he's putting on his persona as animal mask there's where he's just using his normal voice and then there's his tired voice the episode 8 where he's just trading all his wrestlers while preparing for the tournament himself and the fact about it is I think he his voice does have a natural gruffness to him which is what I thought was kind of lacking in Mao and I thought of of the two, like his was the more natural aspect of it. I I think this is a a very good fit for Tyson because I think this is probably his second lead role, if I recall correctly. The other being Hinamaru Sumo, and I haven't watched much of that either. But he wasn't even the lead; he was the second yeah, in uh. In yeah, I know, but 
point still stands. Like, you know, it's a big role for him, at least. No no pun intended, but... But Tyson did a very good job as Genzo. That's really all I have to say, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah, it's nice seeing Tyson get more and more major characters because his voice isn't really... isn't His voice has this natural rasp to it that doesn't really lend itself very well to most anime lead roles. Because lead role, your, your typical anime protagonist is going to be like some kid uh, with a baby face who just has the world um, suddenly launched upon him. And uh, and Tyson's voice doesn't really accommodate that. So he, he ends up playing more characters like Daru or, or more big characters, um, both in, both the chubby kind and the muscular kind um which it works well and so the fact that we have a lead character who does not fit in with the typical shonen protagonist who has some meat on his body who has a larger than life persona to him the fact that he can actually play this character and be the lead in it is is great because i think he was i think he was born to play someone like Genzo. And uh, I'm glad that he finally got this opportunity now. Um, as far as Genzo as a character is concerned, he is completely moronic, uh, but we cannot be denied that he does not love animals. And yeah, it's just, there's something endearing to him, but he can be very irritating at times as well as a as he is as a character. Um, because I think he takes the, a few of the gigs. Most of the recurring jokes that get old are, are as a result of Ginzo. They're all his fault. Because he's the one who's constantly going out and, and groping uh, Wolfgang. He's the one who's constantly going out and um, suplexing the princess. He's the one who's constantly going out and berating Carmilla for being Carmilla. And... Um, so I think the show's greatest weakness is the protagonist himself. It's it's the show's greatest strength and the show's greatest weakness all revolves around Genzo. Genzo, the cause of and solution to all of life's problems. <laughs> problems. Uh, Basically. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and yeah. so I liked I liked Tyson's performance a whole lot, but as we head into final thoughts, that is probably what the show's biggest weakness is it's it's basically all genzo's fault so moving into final thoughts uh alex what do you think of kimono michi rise up as both an english dub and a show in general well first as a show in general it's nice to see a sort of change up to the typical isekai formula like you said with genzo and his character design it's nice to see somebody with uh, some muscle mass and meat on their bones instead of the same teenage boy with the same stupid haircut every single time kirito number 127 <laughs> and counting mm -hmm. god as a show though i i don't know i was kind of expecting a little bit more from it. It felt like it was playing more to the comedy aspect and not so much the the pro wrestling aspect 
because we got the, the, the glimpse of it in the first episode. A few more dips here and there, and then, of course, the final episode, that whole thing. Uh, which was nice. Would have liked to see it go on a little bit longer with, you know, action sequences, but I get that, you know, budgets are a thing, and you can't really afford to do all these super intricate action shots. Unless you're actually getting money from New Japan Pro Wrestling, but whatever, that's not the topic for another day. Um, but given all that, with, with what the show is, its shortcomings, not with, its shortcomings notwithstanding, I thought that the dub was a very solid performance. Given the cast of uh, actors Funimation has in their arsenal, I don't think it's fair to call, I, I think it's fair to say that this isn't really an a cast kind of kind of show, but they performed it like it was an A cast kind of show. I thought everything was very solid. A few nitpicks aside, yeah, I can I can tell that this crew had a lot of fun working on a show this silly and over the top because it's a, it's a very silly premise. I mean, pro wrestler in fantasy world, it just writes itself. I can tell they had a very fun t fun job and a fun time uh, working on all this. And the colloquialism series didn't bother me personally. I get why it would bother other people, like a certain show that aired recently, how a certain line kind of pissed some people off. Mm -hmm. uh, but, yeah, a different structure for different folks, I guess. Yeah, I liked it. Didn't quite love it the way I was hoping to. Uh, but again, I'm not the biggest Isekai fan in the whole world. I like it when they do other things with the concepts. Like have a pro wrestler who just wants to have a pet shop in a fantasy world, which he may or may not actually have by the end of the series. We don't know. Yeah. Okay, Jamal, what did you? What are your final thoughts? Uh, I will admit, when I first heard about this show, I was kind of turned off by the premise a little bit because, I mean, yeah, it'd be cool to own a pet shop, but to suplex a princess, I'm like, yeah, it's a little much for me. And I got into the show, and I'm like, I mean, some comedic aspects kind of sold me on it, but for the most part, I wasn't really into it as much as I should. Of course, some things did turn me off, like, you know, some of the characters being one-sided. Uh, let's see, the fourth wall breaker that I see every now and then. Like, you don't see this much if you're not paying attention. The whole thing with the pets, like, some of it was pretty cool. Some of it was just a little reviling. Well, other than that, I do think it was a pretty decent show. It's a pretty okay show. The, the cast itself was very good. I mean, I guess this would be more kind of a cut your teeth kind of dub because there's some people you don't usually see in these kinds of roles. There's some people I never really heard of or haven't heard as much of before. And for one thing, because I recall, I think this was also this also came out the same season as Cautious Hero, and uh, to go in between the two, I think that maybe I don't know each of them has their own problems. I guess it's more kind of like your old personal taste, like how much vanilla you like. It's Isakai ice cream. Anyway, yeah, that joke died. In any case. The, everybody did their, jo their job very well for what it was worth. Would I recommend it? Uh, if you're a pet owner, I'd probably say no because there are certain aspects to this that may make you a little uncomfortable. 
But if Isekai's your thing, then by all means, go for it. Yeah, um, I think the main issue here is that it has an, a, a great concept. I mean, a wrestler getting in another fantasy world, that basically, you know, that concept is brilliant. Um, it just doesn't always stick the execution. And like I said, the biggest strengths and the biggest weaknesses of the show are based on its main character. Because he's always the one who's going and 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 causes all the recurring jokes to get stale. Um, it's, it, that having it's one thing when go, your gold digger is the voice of reason among the entire relationship, you know? Yeah, yeah. She's the only one with the full brain cell. The other, there's two brain cells among the entire crew. She has one of them. The other one is divided into into three among the, uh, the rest. With Hadiko having the biggest share sometimes. Right. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, no. I, I think the dub is completely serviceable. I have no real issues with it outside some of the slang that they have that would feel out of place in a fantasy uh, universe. The acting is well done. Um, I just, I wanted to like this show a lot more than I did, but at the end of the day, I still really ended up enjoying it for the most part. Would I buy it at full price? No, I would wait until the inevitable essentials release and get it at a white stuff holiday sale, if anything. Um, but there are worse shows out there, definitely worse isekai out there. And so, as far as isekai shows go, this actually is one of the better ones. It's not quite as good as Slime, but not nearly as bad as Ari Ferretta. And with that, I think we can call this episode pinned, don't you think? One, two, three, go! It's over. All right, so... Uh, Alex, let us tell you, no, tell the audience what, uh, <laughs> where they could find you. <clears throat> okay. Well, uh, the handle that I go by for everywhere is, uh, or of Azure. I also, uh, host and produce podcast ONA, an anime podcast, uh, every two weeks or so, give, uh, give or take a couple of special episodes at podcastona.surrealresolution.com. And also available wherever you find podcasts, such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, etc., etc., etc. And I'm just here to remind you that, you see, the numbers don't lie, and they spell disaster for you at sacrifice. All right. Uh, Jamal, where can they find you? Um, on Twitter at Jamstar529, on YouTube at Jamstar1. It's hard you said at the beginning, I'm the head editor of the podcast. Until Lilac wrestles me for the Edge's championship belt. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I think she could take you. I mean, I'll fight her, but I don't re- I'm not really going to own the belt, so. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I have a blog that's collected dust. I plug into some solo podcasts eventually. Don't worry, I'll get there. Other, other than that, I'm just pretty much a chill guy. Down with whatever. 
All right. And as for me, you can find me on the Twitters at Spaceman Hardy. Um, I have recently been retweeting a ton of Final Fantasy art. Yes, you have. Even more than even more than usual, but that's because, well, hey, a new Final Fantasy game came out, or rather a remake of a Final Fantasy game came out. So I have an excuse now. Um, and I will start uh, posting more goat, pi- more goat pictures because Lilac wants me to. So look on the look on that. For, other than that, on my Twitter, I usually just rant about Aniplex a lot, which, you know, thankfully they seem to be slowly but surely going down the drain. But that's another time. That's <laughs> another subject for another matter. Um, I'm also a moderator at the Funimation forums and the Funimation Discord. So if you'd like to come by there and talk, we can definitely uh, definitely hang out. Um, one other thing we'd like to say we. Obviously, you're probably watching this over on YouTube, So, but we are also available on other websites. We have a Twitch account where we occasionally play Jackbox games. We have Instagram. Is, we do have an Instagram account, don't we? Yeah, we should be doing something with that at some point. Yeah. Uh, Tumblr is dead. <laughs> but also, <laughs> if you want to help us out financially, we have a coffee account in case you want to make a single donation. But we also have a Patreon account. If you'd like to subscribe to us, then you can get some exclusive content. And uh, some time to read our patrons. For our $5 patrons, we have B. Morris, Crimson Echidna, Michelle Travis, Miraculous Corazon, and Nico Robin, but with yaoi hands. For our $10 patrons, we have Carly Leistakow, Jacob Wilson, J2, a.k.a. Jared, Julia W., Marissa Lenti, and Spartacus. And for that, I believe our episode is over. Um, on behalf of the rest of the Dub Talk crew, I'm Spaceman Hardy, he's Alex, he's Jamal, and thank you for joining us this evening. Otaku on, my friends. Keep on wrestling. Keep on wrestling.